Hello, this is episode 12 and it's the last episode of season two. This episode is about your home's entry and the front garden. And it's really about how your home presents itself to the street, how it sits as a home in your street and how it helps your home and your street overall feel safe and secure and how your home can feel private from the street as well. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I start on this episode, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming workshop that I'm running in Sydney on the 17th of June. This workshop is called How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home, and it's being held at the beautiful Brickworks Design Studio that's in Sydney's CBD. It's on a Saturday morning, and we will spend three and a half hours together, and I'm going to take you through all the steps that you need to know to understand your renovation or your building journey, right from how to speak to council through design and approvals then into and beyond construction. You also get this gorgeous take-home folder that's packed with useful tips and info to help you along your journey and I deliberately keep the workshop small so it's super interactive and you can get all your questions answered. Look if you're planning a renovation or a new home and you're feeling a bit overwhelmed and nervous about how to navigate the process please know that you're not alone. This workshop will be perfect for simplifying things for you and it'll help you save time money and stress in your project. You know, this is about avoiding what can and does go wrong in renovations and new building projects. And it's about knowing what you need to know in order to create a home that feels fantastic and works for you and your family. So head to the website and look for workshop in the top menu. I'd love to see you there. Tickets are on sale now and ticket sales close on the 13th of June. Okay. And as I said, I keep it small. So if you do want to come, don't leave it to the last minute. I'd love to see you there and help you get started in the best possible way for your renovation or your new home. Okay, then let's get on with this episode. So we're at the last episode for season two. Wow. Over the last 11 episodes, we've traveled through each room of your home one by one. I've shared the main things to know to help you get it right in these areas. And I've also spoken about the mistakes that many homeowners make so that you can avoid them. I've been talking a lot about functionality, flexibility, furnishability, and flow, the four F's of great home design. And of course, there was a surprise fifth F, feel. And as you may know by now, I firmly believe that great design is about how your home feels and how you feel in your home. Honestly, I find that if you start with how you want to feel and how you want your spaces to feel, this seriously can simplify the whole process. It's a brilliant way to maintain clarity as you move along your design, building and renovation journey. I've also been asking you lots of questions, so posing lots of ideas to you to consider so that you can think about these various ideas for your home. And this is really about you creating the perfect home design for you. 
Now, this episode brings us to the front of your home, which is usually the most public face of it. And it's actually the side of your home that most people will see. And it really presents your chosen aesthetic or style to the street. It's usually the first thing that you see as you drive up each day and think, I'm home. And I've seen homeowners work very hard to decide how they want this side of their home to look and to feel. The style that they'll do it in, the design, the materials and the colour scheme. For many who live near you, but who may not know you well enough to get inside your home, this is how they know your house. And we often come up with nicknames for the homes in our neighbourhood. The house that I grew up in, it was known as the pink house. I think my mum must have changed the external colour scheme three or four times in the years that we lived there, but it was always a version of pink. And what many don't realise is that how our neighbours build and renovate their homes affects all all of us, because it's what makes our streets and our neighbourhoods. It builds how they appear, how they feel, and even how they operate. I'll explain this a bit more. In this episode, I'm going to be specifically talking about the front entry of your home and the design of your front garden. I'm also going to be talking about some big design concepts that will really help you determine how to create the best front entry design for your place. And Also think about some of the other things that I've been speaking about throughout this season. This is a chunky episode, but it's packed full of lots of useful ideas and tips for the design of your home. Not only is the front of your home about how your house presents itself, it's also about how your house interacts with the street, how it looks at the street and how the front entry works and how your front garden works. You know, these things really help with the security of your street and of your home. And they also assist with your sense of privacy and protection in your home as well. When we design all of our homes to think about how they interact with the street that they're in, how they sit with their neighbouring houses, this is the way that we create streets and neighbourhoods which feel safer and feel more welcoming. And we can do this whilst preserving the sanctuary and privacy of our homes. So let's first start with feel. How do you want the entry of your home and your front garden to feel? Do you want it to feel welcoming? inviting and open? Do you want to open up your front garden and the front of your home to the street that you live in so that you can interact with those passing by? Or do you want the entry of your home and your front garden to feel more private? Do you even want them to feel intimidating so that really only those who know where they're going and know you even dare to set foot onto your site? Look, it may sound a bit extreme, but you know, often these decisions will actually be motivated by the area, the type of neighbourhood and the type of street that you live in and the type of home that you're creating and even perhaps how close to the street it is. For example, if you live on a busy street, chances are that you'll want to create some separation of your home from it, both visually and acoustically. So your front entry and any of your front garden will become important in achieving this. If you have kids, it may also be important that they actually can't physically get onto the footpath or the street or even into the front garden at all unless you're there supervising them. So have a think about the type of feeling that you want to create for your front garden and entry whilst we're thinking about all of the other things that it needs to do. Now, let's talk about functionality. Of course, your front door and your front garden is the place to arrive in your home. However, what's interesting in our modern homes is that it's actually often the visitors that are the only ones who really use it. If you're planning a home with an attached garage and an internal entry from the garage then into the house, you may find that you won't actually use your front door much at all. So if you're not going to be the one using it, what function does your front garden and your front entry really perform? 
Well, of course, it's the way to get in, but it does far more than this. How it's designed can and will tell those arriving at your house not only how to get into it, it'll also tell them whether or not you really want them to. Now, I'd like you to think of this idea of threshold. And I'm going to quickly give you some big design theories here so that you can think of this idea of threshold in relation to your home. Now, what's a threshold? Well, in a design sense, thresholds are all about how you can create transition between zones. So the world we walk around in every day is really broken into four main zones, which at their most basic and simple level, these zones are about access and accepted behavior and belonging. So the four main zones that I'm talking about are the public zone, the semi-public zone, the semi-private zone, and the private zone. Now stay with me here because these are some big design ideas, but I think that they'll be really helpful as you start to think about not only your front entry and your front garden, but your home design overall as you and the people visiting your home move right from the front through to the rear of the home and, and then into more private parts of your house. Okay, Each of these four zones, they will occur wherever you are in moving through space and buildings in your everyday life. So for example, think of a public library. So public is out on the The public zone is out on the street in front of the library. Semi-public is inside the library because, yes, everyone can walk into a library, but you know that when you do, you have to adhere by some rules and there's certain ways that you have to behave. So that dictates that there's a certain level of requirement about that zone and then makes that zone a more semi-public zone. Then if you think about the semi-private zones of the library, they may be the meeting rooms, spaces like that. So you can access them by prior arrangement, but again, another layer of rules that apply to them. And then private zones are then things like the offices and the rooms that sit behind locked doors, like the storage rooms that are really for only those with special privileges to get access to those areas. Now, as I said, a threshold is something that we cross over to move from one space to another or from one zone to another. So, for example, a door is a threshold into a room. But another threshold can be the narrowing of a hallway, a lowering of a ceiling, a change in level as you step up or down. All of these things, they're also thresholds because they send the message that you're moving from one zone to another. Now, when you're designing your home, you're including thresholds all over the place and how they're designed and how they feel to move through. This will send the people that are using them messages about whether they should be moving through those thresholds. So creating entry and privacy and security, it's not always about putting up walls and gates and locked doors. Instead, you can use thresholds as a really powerful design device to manage how people move from the public zone of the street through the semi-public of your front garden into the semi-private zone of your front porch or your landing and then into the private zone of your home. Now, there's a few thresholds to cross before you even get to the inside of your house. And each of these thresholds present an opportunity to send people a message about whether you want them to move through them easily or whether you want them to question if they're going somewhere they have permission to or that they're invited to. Now, ideally with your home, you want to start creating a feeling of privacy at your front boundary. You don't want random strangers just wandering into your front garden without a reason for being there. You want to design in ways to use these thresholds to tell people that only those who know where they're going, your house, your front door to visit you, that they can confidently walk up to your front door and knock on it. 
So look at all of these thresholds between the footpath and your front door when you're designing your home and how you'll send these messages to the people using them. Look, I'm not talking about big doors or drawbridges or, you know, moving over piranha-filled moats here. I'm really talking about subtle design choices. You know, this could be a change in pathway material. It could be a certain type of planting. It could be level changes. It could be the inclusion of a gate, but not necessarily something full height. It's just that sense of moving from one space to another and somebody having to make the choice, do I have permission to go here? Windows from the house that look out, they will let people know that you'll be seen in your front garden. And you can do this without necessarily them being able to see in and at compromising your privacy. Each of these ideas, they're called design cues. So as I said, they send a message that's intuitively picked up by someone using the space. And these design cues, they show and they tell people how to move and how to interact with a space. And we do this everywhere in our homes and we can use it to such a great effect. And it's especially useful in our front gardens and our entries. So as you're moving about your day to day, I want you to have a look at how you move through spaces, be it into your workplace, to school, to pick up the kids, around your own home, around friends' homes, around your neighbourhood, going to the shops, all those types of things. Think about all of the places that and spaces that you are crossing these thresholds, where you're making choices about whether you have permission to go somewhere and how you're being sent messages about that permission, how you're being told where you can go, where you can't go and what's being used to give you that message. And I think once you actually start putting your design detective hat on, you'll really see how much this exists in the world around us and how it's used to really manage how people move and use spaces. Okay. So we've talked about this idea of thresholds and how they can create transitions between zones and something else that I want to mention is natural surveillance. I am giving you a serious architectural design lesson here. So I hope you're still with me and I hope that you're finding this useful. But I think that some of these really big ideas can be really powerful in getting great outcomes for your home. Okay. So natural surveillance is where buildings and homes are designed to naturally keep eyes on the street that they face. Now, when I say eyes, I don't mean your physical eyes. I mean like the eyes of your home. So let me illustrate with an example. Have you ever walked down a laneway which had no windows looking out onto it? It's lined with garages or blank walls. It doesn't feel safe, does it? It actually feels like something could happen and no one would see. Even in the daytime, it doesn't feel like a safe space. Now, when we create ways for our homes to see the street, and that's in inverted commas, through windows at the front of our house or through gaps in our fences and our landscaping, we actually create this feeling of natural surveillance. So even though you may not be standing in your window looking directly out of your house at the street, the fact that there are windows looking out at the street and there are opportunities for people inside homes to keep an eye on the street, the street feels watched. And even though it's incidentally as we go about life in our home, this is what will really help our homes and our streets feel safe and secure. So I'm going to mention this a little bit more later in the podcast so you can understand it a bit better. 
Now, internally, our front entries, they are the welcoming point into the privacy of our homes. They'll be our visitor's first impression of the more private domain of our home's interior as we open the door to welcome them or not welcome them inside. And I'm going to talk more about how to think about the internal area of your front entry when I talk about flow, because it can be designed in a few ways, which will really create different feelings and the way that it works in your home. Now let's move on to flexibility. There's two things worth considering in relation to flexibility and the front entry and front garden of your home. The first thing to think about is how it handles different seasons. So you can do this in a few ways. Choose plants and landscaping that look good all year round so that your garden feels great all the time. Another way to look at how your front entry is designed so that it shelters and protects visitors in hot weather so they're not standing out in the baking sun waiting for you to answer the door or in wet weather or in colder weather as well. You know, picture how these spaces are going to be used at different times of the year and what you can do to build in the capacity in the way you design it so that it handles those differences in seasons really well. The second thing to consider is the width of the entry itself. And I see many homeowners really struggling with how to design this, also with the choice of what type of door they're going to put on the front of their home as well. So some will seek a really wide, generous entry to their home and they'll create a really wide front hallway and they'll use a double door design. But I want you to remember this, that on a daily basis, it's actually very rare that you'll ever have both doors open and get to appreciate the full width of the door opening as you've built it. So my recommendation instead, if you want to have that generous feeling day in, day out, especially around your front door and that sense of opening your front door, choose a generously sized single door opening, all right, so that each time you open it, everyone gets the experience of that generosity. And don't forget the height of the door and the space around the door, so the ceiling height, that will also create a feeling of generosity as well. Equally important is to consider what's in that entry hallway as you step inside it. You know, what are the doors running off it and what do you see in and through that entry hallway. You know, as I shared in season one of the podcast, you can create spaciousness with natural light and with opening up views to other areas of your home. And you can reduce clutter in your entry by not having doors into service areas or other spaces opening immediately off that hallway, because that will ultimately enhance the sense of spaciousness within the hallway. You know, the actual width of the hallway itself, it's really about the physical ability to move through it. So maybe you're in a compact home home and you'll only be walking in single file through your front entry or perhaps you want to design it so that you can walk side by side or you can hold the hand of one of your children as you walk through your front door. You know those are the kinds of things that should really dictate what the width of the entry is because the sense of spaciousness can come from so many other design elements that you can use really effectively. Now let's talk about furnishability. So when it comes to the furnishability of your front garden and your front entry, sounds a bit weird to talk about furnishability with a garden, doesn't it? But I want you to consider it in so far as how you'll manage security in the front garden and in the front entry and really overall in your home. Now, I've mentioned this idea of thresholds and designing each of those thresholds to really help tell those arriving how to feel about how welcome they are. But in regards to actual security at your front door itself, determine how you're going to manage this. 
You know, some options are to think about whether you'll have a security screen at your front door that stays locked. So even if your front door is open, the house is still secure. You know, security screens can be great for enhancing natural ventilation in your home because you can have the door locked and have the front door open and you can bring breezes through your home from the front to the rear. Another option, of course, is to include a peephole in your door or to have another way to see who's at the front door through perhaps the location of adjacent windows or even windows from rooms that are near the entry so that you can, you know, sort of pop your head around, see who's standing at the front door without necessarily being seen yourself. And of course, there's more high-tech ways. So you can have an intercom of some sort, either an audio version or one with a camera and a screen. If you can think about this early on and what you're going to need from your home in terms of security at your front door, that means that you can build in what's required because certain solutions will, of course, mean other inclusions that you'll need to incorporate into your design. Running extra power and think too about how you're going to furnish both the inside and the outside of your front entry. For example, if you expect everyone to remove their shoes at your front door, it's good to provide somewhere for those shoes to be kept. The same can help with bags and umbrellas and coats. So it may be mainly used for visitors as you and your family are entering from the garage, but it can still help with how that front entry of your home feels overall. Finally, let's discuss flow. Now, the main thing I want to discuss here is the presentation of your home as the front door is opened. All right, so picture that moment, somebody's knocked on the door, rung the front doorbell, you've, you know, had a look through the peephole or however else you're managing to understand who's outside your front door and you've opened the door to them. Now, that first opportunity to invite people into your home and as they step across the threshold of your front door and get a really great sense that they're moving from that semi-private zone of your front porch into the private zone of your house, that really gives a great chance for you to welcome them into your world or to choose not to and to keep them outside on the front porch. I encourage homeowners to especially look at that experience of where the eye goes of the person standing outside as soon as the door swings open. And, you know, ideally you want a couple of things to happen. You know, it's lovely if you can create a zone at the front door that actually feels like an internal entry point, that feels like a threshold. So it may not be anything elaborate, but it's simply an uncluttered space where people feel like they step into your home and that they've arrived. You know, they don't feel like they're just kind of falling into your house, but they feel like there's a point and a place where they've arrived and been invited into the private zone of your house once they get through that front door. That may be achieved by creating a space that's a little wider than the hallway then that runs off it into your house. But you can do it also with the clean wall spaces that can enable you to hang artwork or family photos and create lovely focal points in that front entry. And you can also consider the flooring and the lighting and how that space immediately inside the front door feels and functions. Then I want you to have a think about what do you see next? Do you want to create this entry as a zone that privatises the house beyond? So you open the door and you only reveal this immediate entry space. So no one can peek over your shoulder and see the house beyond. Or do you want to give clues of the house beyond and start opening up view lines down a hallway to the living areas and the garden and the view beyond your home? You know, this can dramatically change how your home feels and your decisions may be impacted by where your house is located and the type of street that you live on and how often you get strangers coming to your door as well as opposed to invited and welcomed guests. 
And it will also depend on the security that you create at other thresholds as well. So for example, if you have a front intercom gate that visitors need to get past before they get to your front door, then that means that your front entry may not need to create any privacy to your home because it's always managed at the front gate of your property. Your front garden and front entry, they start to tell the story of your overall home design, you know, how it feels and how you want others to feel when they come to your home. So think about flow in those terms and how you can tell the story that you want and evoke the feelings that you want to as soon as someone steps off the footpath and onto your land. Now, we're going to move on to the mistakes that people make when it comes to front entries and front gardens. So these are the main mistakes to avoid, and I've got three for you. Mistake number one is hiding your front entry from the street. With narrow lots becoming more and more common, it, 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 look, it can be tricky to fit in the double garage, a front entry, and perhaps another room all sitting along our street frontage. And sometimes the design choice, it becomes a case of actually bringing people down the side of the house and then into an entry that's actually further into the home. The problem with this is actually showing those visiting your home, particularly ones that are visiting for the first time, where the front door is. And I see many homes make this mistake. They make it really difficult to find the front door and consequently they confuse visitors. And then that can change the way a home feels overall. You can still create a warm and inviting entry even down the side of your home. If you use landscaping and pathways and material choices, colour, roof awnings and other devices, you know, you can use those things to really guide people where you want them to go. And if you can start showing those things at your front boundary, so there's never any confusion about it, then people won't end up standing on your driveway, phoning you and saying, where do I get into your house? You know, I laugh, but I have seen it happen. Okay. Now, mistake number two is not putting eyes on the street. Now, earlier I mentioned this idea of natural surveillance. So this is where homes are designed in a way that they incidentally look at the street. And there's a feeling that those inside the home can see what is going on and happening in the street outside and that things won't go unnoticed. Now, unfortunately, what some homeowners do in an attempt to maintain privacy to their homes is that they limit the number of windows they have to the street. Even in a narrow, compact home, there are still ways to design in this idea of natural surveillance and maintain the privacy of your home. And seriously, it's so worth achieving because it's proven to improve the security and the safety of your home and your street overall. Now, mistake number three is to ignore your front garden as a valuable outdoor space for your home. You know, setbacks in most suburban homes uh, and suburbs, they're usually around the six metre mark and there can actually sometimes be quite a bit of garden space in the front of your home. And yet I see many homeowners landscape it and then never use it. So it becomes this unoccupied space that still needs to be maintained, but it really doesn't add any value to your lifestyle overall. Instead, I'd love you to consider it as another outdoor area that you and your family can use. So, you know, can you create a little seating area that still feels private? Sometimes with the orientation of our homes, our front gardens may be a great place to occupy at certain times of the day and of the year. So if you can understand this for your home and then utilise your front garden space to maximise the value of your entire block of land, that's what will really add value to your life and your home overall. Now, let's go through my three main design tips for your home's entry and your front garden. Now, design tip number one is to use different levels to achieve privacy and specialness for your home. 
You know, as I said earlier, sometimes we think that the only way to achieve privacy is to screen and create walls and just to build these things around our house. And of course, this is a great way to keep people out and to prevent views into our home and to our block of land. However, it can also radically limit your views out of your home and it can restrict light coming in and it can make the home feel more constrained overall. Often the best way to create privacy is actually to cut sight lines. Now, I mentioned this in season one, episode 11, when I talked about creating spaciousness through indoor-outdoor connections. So if you haven't listened to that episode, head back to it because it's got some really great tips about how to create sight lines and how to cut sight lines. So if you can examine how people might see into your home and then you can perhaps use balustrades or screens or even planting that will place a filter on that sight line or even cut it off completely, then you'll find that that can actually be a lot less obtrusive and obstructive than a wall or a fence and still do the job really well. You know, for example, if you're sitting on your front veranda and it's a really lovely space that you want to actually use, but you want to be screened from the street, you might find that a balustrade is sufficient because when you're using that, you're actually sitting most of the time. And so from a sitting height, a balustrade might be sufficient to privatise you from passerbys on the street because of the way that the levels work and the sight lines. So this can be handy because sometimes your front verandas will be a beautiful place to sit, especially in the morning. And you might want to sit out there in your PJs and have a cup of tea in a morning and just be able to not be seen from the street. And you might honestly find if you have a look at the sight lines that a balustrade is all you need to hide behind and not need a great big screen that then blocks your view out as well. Design tip number two is to be aware of whether your design works with a front door or not. Now, some homes in rural locations, they actually don't need a formal front door at all. And there's a different way of arriving at the home and stepping into the house. And other homes, they may have all of their bedrooms at the front. And so most friends will actually arrive via a back door. They'll come down the side of the property and into a back door, which feeds straight into the kitchen and living and dining area. It's important that where to enter a home is always clear, all right? So when someone's never been to your home, the last thing that you want is them wandering aimlessly, trying to figure out where to ring the doorbell. So look for inspiration, be a design detective and, and you know, see if you can look at how homes that don't have traditional front entries, how they're managing this and still telling people exactly where to access their home and where to walk into their home. You know, the same rules will still apply. People will still need somewhere to put their gear down take off their shoes, you know, but that actually may occur at a different point in your home than a traditional front door and be much more useful for your home design. Now, design tip number three is to separate where people and cars move. If possible, I really recommend that you securitize your front garden and you know, sometimes your front path as well from your driveway. There are far too many sad and terrible accidents of kids being run over in their own driveways. And land is a precious asset in any family home, especially in more urban locations. So if you want to use all of it, sometimes front gardens can actually be a beautiful play space for kids to use. And so I love, if it's possible, to actually securitize the whole house garden. So back and front as a continuous play space so that kids can circumnavigate the house, 
but then create that separate to the entry path and to the driveway. And, you know, this way kids can be moving around your whole home. They can always be securely contained and you can be confident that they're not going to get out onto the front path or onto the driveway and get into trouble. And, you know, at the very least, if you can keep any pedestrian activity separate from movement of cars on your driveway, then it certainly helps with the safety of everyone in your home as they use those front garden and front entry spaces. All right, so that is the end of episode 12 and of our season number two, How to Design a Home. How have you found season two? I hope it's been super helpful for you as you think about the design of your new home or your renovation. You know, whether you're building an urban, a suburban or in a regional location, you know, this podcast has been all about giving you the tools, the tips and the inspiration to create a home design that suits you and your family. So to wrap up this podcast season two, I'd like to leave you with these five points to remember. Whenever you're thinking about how to design your home, remember to start with feel. For me, great design is about how your home feels and how you feel in your home. Put words to it, write it down, keep it in focus as you move through the process of your design. Next, remember functionality how a space works, how you need it to perform. Because when a home works, that's what makes life better and simpler and more fun and more enjoyable and less stressful. And that's what helps us be the best version of ourselves as we head out into the world each day. Next, think about flexibility. So elements, rooms and spaces that do more than one job. Build less and get it doing more. Quality over quantity is what will change your everyday life every time. I cannot emphasize that enough. Next, always check your design by thinking about furnishability. So plan from the get-go what you will put in spaces and rooms that you're designing. And then there's no surprises when your home is finished and ready to move into. Lastly, think about flow. Flow is about how we move, live in and interact in our homes. And it's also about how they connect us with each other and with the world around us. I heard a beautiful quote recently that your home has the ability to help you know that even when you're apart, there's a lingering sense that you're always together. So create the ability for your home to gather you together, you personally, in yourself, gather you with your family, with your friends, those who you share your life with. Create the opportunity for connection and for restoration, space to be together and space to be apart whilst knowing you're still connected in and beyond your home because this is the stuff of memory and of community and of magic. Thank you so much for traveling with me room by room through your home. In the next episode, I'm going to be introducing season three. Now, this upcoming season, it deals with one of the most commonly asked questions I get from homeowners, and it deals with one of your biggest fears and stress causing factors when renovating or building. What is it? Uh, You'll have to tune in next time to find out. So join me then. 
Thank you so much for joining me here at Get It Right with Undercover Architect. If you're wanting to learn more about how to design a home, I've actually created a special five-step e-guide to get you started. It's free and you can get your copy now. It's called How to Design a Home, Five Simple Steps to Getting It Right and you can head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash home design to get your free copy emailed straight to your inbox and I'll put that link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please head to iTunes and subscribe because that way then you'll be the first to know about new episodes and you'll also help others like you find out about this podcast. I'd really love it if you could leave a review too, please, because it'll tell iTunes to share this podcast with other homeowners like you. And if you have friends or family planning their future homes, please let them know about the podcast as well. Everyone who is renovating or building can then get support in getting it right. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.